I was thinking in last service, can anybody relate to that video at all? Yeah? You know, this is supposed to be a time where we focus on just the excitement of Christmas. Jesus is coming and the joy that comes from that. We're forgiven. Our Savior is here. The excitement of presence, the excitement of family, all that stuff's supposed to be awesome. And yet so often we get caught up in the little things, don't we? We get encumbered by the stuff, the have-tos and to-dos and getting the right gifts for the right people and all the different things we got to do that we lose sight of the main thing. You know, this week has been kind of crazy for us in, in our household. We had our, our oldest had our, her sweet 16, and we tried to keep it a cre- secret, and it was, and it was awesome, and it was great. But there was a lot of stress that went behind that in trying to make that come off right. And then yesterday we celebrated with the family, and there was some stress with that. And then we got Christmas coming up, and there's stress. And it seemed like instead of enjoying each and every part of it, we got swept up, at least in the days before, in the stress. And instead of experiencing the joy and the excitement for our daughter and the excitement of Christmas, we kind of lost sight and got kind of grumpy, you know? I, I know, my wife's perfect, she doesn't, but I, I got kind of grumpy in the midst of all that. And I was missing out on the reason for the season. You know, this, this tomorrow night's Christmas Eve, and I'm really excited about it for a lot of reasons. There's, there's going to be like an 18-person choir at our traditional service, and there's like, I don't know, James said 12 to 14, and the other two. It's going to be a lot of energy up here. It's going to be really fun. I'm excited about the sermon because I'm going to make, just kind of give the reason for Christmas, and I think, and I'm just probably turn out horrible, but I'm really excited about it, you know, and so, so I'm kind of geeked up about it, and I hope you guys all come back for that. It should be a lot of fun. Um, but today I want to just kind of have you kind of pause, and I want you to kind of de-stress today. I want you to kind of let go of some of the worries and some of the anxieties and some of the stresses that you came in with, and I want you to start preparing yourself or maybe re-experiencing maybe just a little bit the excitement and the joy of the season, which comes to us in a baby in Jesus, right? All right, so I was rereading the other day uh, this, this story on coal miners. I know it seems a, like a crazy thing, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to actually come in and apply wonderfully in just a second here. But, but the reality is I was looking at them, and they have two great fears, they said in this article. The first is obviously they could be trapped down in a cave. There could be an explosion. You've heard stories of that. It's been on TV, miners trapped in, in, in the past, and you kind of just feel for the families. You feel for the guys, all those different things. But in the article, they said the second greatest fear that they have is the fear of black lung, which is the fear that they could inhale carbons and coal dust into their lungs until finally the stuff accumulates so much that it suffocates them. And then the miners said this, what we fear the most and what kills us is the small stuff. And I started thinking, man, I think that applies to us today, especially maybe in this season, right? Isn't there maybe an enhanced stress level as you try to be everywhere you're supposed to be and do all the things you're supposed to do and get it decorated and get it ready. And, and sometimes we get so kind of caught up in that that we get grumpy, right? We, we lose sight. Fifteen minor problems and all of a sudden you got one bad attitude. They just all add up and sometimes it just gets to us. And for many obvious reasons, I think this is the time of year, even with all the peace and goodwill rhetoric flying around, the baby Jesus coming, that we seem to be affected by the little things the most. In fact, I think one of the true acid tests of being a Christian is how well we handle the little things of life. And as holidays, as they come, it always seems to present one of the biggest tests. You know, Paul talks about this just a little bit in Philippians 2. And he says that the difference that a Christian should be, or, or the, different, the, the, the thing that makes a Christian different than anybody else, is really found in how they deal with the little things of life. And so this is going to be challenging what he says in Philippians 2, but listen to it. It says, do everything without complaining. I get an amen to that? 
Amen, right? Everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe. It's just saying that if you kind of live your life of being more of a grateful person, a positive person, of not being a complainer, of not being grumpy, right? You'll be so unique that you will stand out like a star in the middle of a black night. Kind of like the Christmas star the wise men followed way back in the day. It was new. It was so different. It, was, it had movements that no other star had. And they just knew that it had to be different, that it had to mean something. And they followed the star until they found what? Baby Jesus. Again, a reminder of the true reason for the season. But I share all this today because I think life is largely made up of the little things. And if Jesus Christ is not Lord of the little things of our life, then he's just not Lord at all. In other words, our faith does not so much determine what happens at the communion rail on Sunday morning, but more often what happens at the breakfast table on Monday morning. The real issues of life, it's our attitudes that make the difference. And whether we enjoy life, experience the joy of the holidays, the joy of the reason for the season, or if we get caught up in other things. And maybe that's just one of the reasons why our Savior came to us, born in a little manger as a baby, to see how we would handle the little things of life. Young man was learning to be a paratrooper. Before his first jump, he was given these four instructions. Number one, jump when you are told. Number two, count to 10 and pull the ripcord. Number three, in the unlikely event your parachute does not open, pull the emergency ripcord. Number four, when you get down, a truck will be there to take you back to the airport. Young man was kind of freaked out, but he memorized all these instructions. He climbed aboard the plane. They got up to 10,000 feet. He jumped when the instructor said jump. Counted to 10, just like number two said. Count to 10, pulled the ripcord. So he did, but nothing happened. The, the chute didn't open. So he pulled the emergency ripcord, just like number, point number three said, but nothing happened again. No parachute. Oh, oh, great, the young man said. And I suppose that truck won't be there when I get down there either. It's how we handle the little things of life that makes the difference. But as you look around, right, as you look around at your family, at people that you know, even society, you find that when people have the little things, the frustrations, the irritations of life, they act and respond to them in all sorts of different ways. And so you see that some people kind of just resist it, right? They fight it, they blow up, they lose their cool. And the truth is you can tell a lot about a person by the kind of things that makes them upset, some people resist it, they overreact. I'm always amazed at how easy it is to make somebody mad on the freeway. You know, they're always waving at me with less than five fingers. I don't know what it is. It's like the guy who says, I've hit four cars today. What's wrong with everybody? I don't understand. Some people don't let it out. Instead of blowing up, they clam up, they internalize, they blame other people for everything that's going on. You take it out in the clerk at the store. And just kind of for balance, it's not her fault, right? She's really not trying to sabotage your day. She's not. She doesn't hate you because she just met you. She's just trying to do her job. But you take it on other people. You blame other people. And then you rehearse it over and over in your mind saying, this isn't fair. This is such a lousy day. And you start complaining to God. It's not fair, God. And then you got the people that just try to grin and bear it, right? Just, just give in to it. I don't like what's going on, but... I'll just put up with it. It's just my luck. What will be, will be. It's the stoic approach. It's taking it like a man. Many people go through life with this kind of frustration. And you ask them, how are you doing? And they say, well, I'm doing okay. You know, so far, so good. You know, under the circumstances. But again, God would cry out, what are you doing under the circumstances? Why have you let somebody take your joy? That's not the way I, it's not the person I want you to be. It's not the life I want you to live 
Why have you let somebody steal that joy away from you? And so if these are all the wrong approaches, what does God say is the right approach? When we deal with the frustrations as they come, and the timelines, and the anxieties, and the worries, he says we are to reduce it, to bring it into focus, to, to look at it for what it is. It's a minor irritation. It's not worth getting mad about. In other words, it's, it's refining perspective in the midst of life. I love the video because, can you imagine giving birth in a barn, right? And, and probably everything went wrong in the midst of that, but they still had Jesus. You know, you know what, I, I, to, when couples get, get married and, and they're all concerned about all these different aspects and, and, and parts of the wedding, and I said, you know what, at the end of the day, if you get married, it's been a good day, right? I mean, just worry about getting married. You've done all the worrying you could possibly do for this day. Just enjoy the moment. But the only way that you can get to that point where you can treat all stuff as small stuff is to begin seeing it from God's point of view. If I look at it, it may seem like a major crisis. It may seem like everything's falling apart. But when you can start seeing it from God's point of view, all of a sudden you remember. You remember that God's got you. You remember that he's got all the small stuff in his hands. You remember that he's working all things for the good of those who love him. You remember that no matter how it goes, that he's still there, that he still loves you, that he still cares, and that he's still going to take you to heaven one day. You start to remember, and all of a sudden, you refine that joy. You refine that perspective that allows you to look at the stuff, the small stuff. So, how do we handle life when it comes at us this way? I'm going to give you a couple questions that I think are just valuable to start asking ourselves. I think it helps balance us. It brings us back to perspective. But then I'm going to give you a last one that's super hard. But the first question is just asking yourself this. Did I cause it? Right? When you have an irritation and you got a frustration, ask yourself, did I bring this upon myself? Why am I frustrated? And I say that because the Bible says in Galatians, it says you will reap what you sow. And many things in life that we're frustrated by are simply there because we brought them upon ourselves. You're on a trip, right? You're doing great. You passed a few gas stations, though, and all of a sudden you run out of gas, and that is frustrating. It is super frustrating. Now you got to hoof it back to wherever the last one was. But whose fault is it? It's yours. I mean, you just passed 15. You were thinking you could make it, but it's your fault. You're reaping what you sow. Other times, irritations are simply reflections of ourselves. You get up in the morning, you go to the breakfast table, you're talking for about five minutes, and then you say, why is everybody so grumpy? Kind of reminds me of the, the very scientific grumpy rule of relativity. He that giveth grumpiness receiveth grumpiness, right? In other words, you get back what you're given out. Many times we're simply reflecting our own attitudes upon other people. And so one of the best questions to start regaining perspective is, did I cause it? Another great question, too, especially when they're ongoing and they're lasting for a little bit longer and you know there's an issue, is what can I learn from this? How would Jesus respond to this? You use this irritation to actually grow in your character, to be more like Jesus, but you start asking, well, how in the world does God do that? How does he grow my character? And he does it by growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And how does he do that? You're not going to like the answer, but he does it by putting us in the exact opposite situations. So if God wants to teach you love, Puts you around unlovely people. Why? Because it's easy to love lovely people. If God wants to teach you joy, he will allow you times of sorrow where you can learn inner joy, which is different from happiness. If God wants to teach you peace, he'll put you 
in situations which are probably total chaos, right? Think preschoolers running all around you, total chaos, right? And he'll learn to give you peace in the middle of those kind of situations. If he wants to teach you patience, he'll put you in lines or rush hour traffic or around difficult people. We learn the fruit of the Spirit by being placed in the exact opposite situations. And if we don't learn it in a little trial, God will give us another one. The next time it will be bigger because obviously the little trial didn't seem to work too well. So if you have a problem with anger, God allows an irritation in your life so he can teach you how to overcome anger. And instead of learning from it, you just blow up instead. Instead of giving it to God, you blame God. Instead saying, God, help. You say, God, why? I will say, okay, let's give you another one. This time will be a little bit bigger until finally you come to an atomic bomb size irritation in your life and you're crying out, God, help. And he goes, ah, finally, I got your, I got your attention. And you begin to learn. In a lot of ways, that's what Romans 8 verses 28 and 29 is all about. It's saying that all things work together for the good of those who love him. It does not say that all things are good. You need to hear that. There are many bad things in this world, but it says if you're a believer that God works all things for, together for the good of those who love him, even the negative, God can turn into a positive if you let him. How does God turn a negative, a negative sign, into a positive, a plus sign? Answer is he makes a cross out of it. He takes a crucifixion and he makes it a resurrection. And so he asks, how, God, how in the world can I learn from this particular issue that I'm going through? And then I'll give you this last one, maybe as a way to restore your joy right now. Learn to thank God in the situation. The hardest two verses, I think, in the Bible to obey are Philippians 4, 6, where it says, worry about nothing. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where it says, in everything give thanks. Now, hear me say, it does not say, for everything give thanks. It says, in everything give thanks. So you don't have to be thankful for a bad situation, but you can be thankful in a bad situation. For example, if somebody gets in an accident, you don't say, God, thank you for the accident. Or if someone, a loved one that you have dies, you don't say, God, thank you so much that they died. That'd be thanking God for evil. And God is not the author of evil. Don't do that. But you can thank God in this situation. Because you know that somehow, some way, even though you just experienced the worst thing possible, that God can still work good in your life because of Jesus. Sometimes we feel like life's coming at us in such a way where it's like we're drowning, like the waves are lapping over our heads, and yet God says, I still got you. I'm still holding you by your side. I've still got you. You're going to make this through it, and somehow, someway, I'm going to work this for your good. He can turn a crucifixion into a resurrection. Thing is, is guys, is that God loves you guys so much and he refused to let Jesus' death be on the cross be the final epitaph. And so he rose him from the dead and we celebrate Easter as a result. But at Christmas, which is a few ways down the road before you ever get to Golgotha, right? He brings you to the manger. And why is Christmas such a big, big deal? Because it's at the manger where God begins this amazing process of taking that minus sign, those separation times in your life, and begins turning it into a plus sign. It's a place where the little things, the sins, the garbage of your life are finally and forever taken away through this newborn king. It's a place where God begins his work of truly turning the crucifixions into resurrections. Why? Because it's at the manger where we're introduced to Jesus. It's at the manger where we're finally confronted with this fact, and I want you guys to get this this morning. Christmas is an announcement to you. It is proof to you that you matter to God. 
Do we get that? You matter to him. He saw that the thing was broken, that you couldn't make it to heaven, that your lives were miserable, and so he sent you, Jesus, to rescue you, to save you from your sin, to give you strength in this life, to reintroduce you to God, the God who has promised all these amazing things, to say that you matter to him. And this Christmas, I want you to get caught up in that joy that God loves you, that you're forgiven, and that you matter. Such is the gift of Christmas to us. And so all we say today is thank you, Jesus, and we pray that in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. Father, we do. We thank you for Jesus today, and and we're excited about tomorrow, but we're excited today, Lord. I pray that we're excited today because I want us to get caught up in the real reason for the season. I want us to get caught up in your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and the fact that we matter and as a result of us mattering to you, you care about us in this life. Father, continue to remind us of that care and of that love when we're going through difficult times. Continue to remind us that there's hope because you've got us and are working things out for our good. Continue to remind us that there's forgiveness no matter what we've done. Continue to remind us that we matter. We pray that today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.